It's Tennessee Titans talk. Fellas, we have less than two weeks before opening weekend in the NFL. I'm so excited. You're darn right. We're almost there. Now, you guys know I don't love the offseason, but this is really fun this time of year. Uh, really about a week out, and we start – the cuts are coming down. So, players that are NFL players and will be on fields, there's a numbers game for some positions. Some decisions are made, sometimes because of money, because of contracts. A lot of times uh, somebody has just played their way on a team. We've seen that here in Nashville in a big way this week, and we're seeing that as we do this uh, on the Tuesday um, here, August 30th, uh, while recording this in the afternoon. Guys, we've got some fun names to talk about um, here in Nashville and around the league. Let's start with ours. Uh, we saw this coming. Brett Kern saw this coming. But, you know, as of yesterday, Brett Kern no longer on this team. Landon, I know you're a big Kern fan. We all are. Um, Catch us up on how this happened uh, and kind of what went down and your thoughts. So Kern was getting older. Last year was one of his down years. He was still good, but the leg wasn't what it used to be. And it's really just the money because Kern was getting paid a lot, and rightfully so. But we're a team that is looking for every penny we can spare. And paint, going from Kern to Stonehouse saves $3 million, which for a punter is just so much that you could spend elsewhere, and Stonehouse just has such a bigger leg. I Part of me is just in denial because, like you said, I love Brett Kern. I didn't want to see him go, and that maybe we made the wrong choice. But, I mean, I watched the preseason game. Stonehouse has a crazy leg. I'm worried about that he won't have the accuracy of Kern and will have a lot of drives on defense where he gives up a touchback instead of inside the 10. But long-term... I mean, Stonehouse was probably going to develop something that's going to be better. I'm just hoping for Kern that he goes to the Bills or the Broncos, not the Colts, to a team that has playoff aspirations and he gets to play a bit longer. Because he should be able to play. He's still a top – he's still above average punter. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to continue his career. I love the words he had on social media and seeing his beautiful family that's grown up here in Nashville. Uh, he's always going to be a Titan. But I totally understand the move. Big fella, I want to get your thoughts for sure. But uh, Landon sounds a little bit like he was swallowed by Optimus Prime. I'm going to clean him up, and he's still going to sound better than you hear on most podcasts. But it's because Landon's in his dorm room at, um, at Vanderbilt University. Just started uh, a little bit more than a uh, – moved in a little bit more than a week ago. Uh, really happy for having him back in Nashville. And um, Landon, I know you didn't travel to Hawaii and you don't play on the football team, but um, I think you are the you were the perfect addition to campus because they they won by like fifty three on Saturday night. So congratulations. Woo woo, anchor down, baby. Yeah, thanks. I'm smart enough to get into here, but not smart enough to remember to pack my microphone. But for <laughs> listeners, don't worry about that. I'll get it back this week, and this will be the only episode where I sound super weird. <laughs> all right. Well, well you still—it's all about the content. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the content's the content. Big fella, he says it really well about Kern. Um, <clears throat> there's no hard feelings on either side. I think he—I mean, Kern was quoted as saying, "When I got to camp and I saw this kid kicking 50-yard punts in the air, I knew my days were numbered." He did the same thing um, to a, a, a former Notre Dame punter we all really liked, and that he said the same thing 12 seasons ago. He said, "I mean, I, I knew." Honestly, with the dead money, and I'm glad, you know, Kern deserves it. He's still going to get um, about 65 70% of his money this year. 
And uh, so he's going to get well paid regardless, and he's going to be able to just pick a, a really good situation because I, I think he will be punting next weekend. I would be surprised uh, if he wasn't immediately like he's – you know, there are – no way there are 32 uh, punters better than him, at the league, even, even at his age, right? Yeah, but no, of course. They did that because they knew – that um, our new punter is not was not going to pass waivers, right? Like he had that good of a preseason. That's my perception, big fella. Is that yours? Without a doubt, and I think Stonehouse. I mean, <clears throat> having watched him in both preseason games in person, just the the hang time on the ball, the spin on the ball, the way he's able to drop it. I mean, you cannot let that go. And I love Brett Kern, and he did a lot of great things for our team. Um, but you know, it, it's like Landon said, th- saving three million on a punter—that's <laughs> a no-brainer when you've got a guy like Stonehouse. And you know, I like you said, Kern will go somewhere really well, and, and he'll punt really well for another couple of years until he decides to hang it up. And um, you know, in our group text, we had some friends ask why we didn't trade him, and you know, our front office doesn't usually do that with guys that have no. put in the work and the time. They want to let him choose his next destination because, you know, God forbid he went to somewhere like a the armpit of the world, like Indy or Pittsburgh or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. So I think you know, everybody is. Um, kind of suggested he goes to Buffalo. I think that's probably where he ends up. Um, maybe Denver, but uh, I mean, you know, he he's not he's not like Ray Finkel here. He's gonna he's gonna be able to play again, um, and he's gonna have a, a a great last or next chapter of his career. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Landon, I, I want to hear you mentioned Indy. Where do you think he ends up, Landon? Uh, Buffalo seems obvious because they they cut. A good punter, not a few days ago, ten days ago, and um, then they had to, of course, punt one. We don't really talk about that kind of stuff on the show. We can acknowledge it, you can talk about whatever you want, but man, yeah. And so Buffalo seems obvious. Why do you mention Indy, and do you think that's uh, realistic? You usually have a pretty good idea because you know about like kind of sites and stuff. Me and Big Fella never heard of. You're, you're like a dark web football guy. You know things. You I th- sometimes I think you have uh, GMs. Um, um, like emails hacked or something because you seem to know this information like hours before me and Big Fella. But all that being said, uh, are you hearing anything on the football dark web or what? what's your gut on where he actually lands? There hasn't been any concrete rumors about where he will go. Just that one Buffalo because they cut, a, they cut both their punters from the offseason roster so they don't have one. Indy's punter tore his Achilles a couple weeks ago. They still haven't signed a replacement yet. Then Denver, they have a punter, but Kern is better. So if Kern wanted to go there, they're a good team. They would obviously make room for him, and they'd bring him in. So people are just assuming that good teams that have a big need at punter, he will go to one of those places. And with the Bills, there's the added caveat that they've been adding a bunch of Titans players over the last offseason or two, like they signed Saffold, Daquan Jones, Quisenberry. They just, like, them and the Falcons just keep picking up our our, our scrap-offs. So, I, and I would hope he goes to Buffalo because that's the best team as far as him being a Super Bowl ring. I just hope that if it comes <laughs> to that, we don't have to face him in the playoffs and watch him pin his deep over and over. Yeah, I am going to miss the... Uh... 
uh, being at the game, big fella, and uh, we're on the 50, and the, the guy catches it at the one-and-a-half-yard line. <laughs> I'm going to really yeah. miss that. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times over the last couple of years we've said, thank God for Brett Kern, because he got us out of a lot of sticky situations, and he'll continue to do that for somebody else. And uh, Brett Kern isn't pinning me deep there, buddy. I remember so many times both of you on this podcast, 2018-ish, being like, he is our best player. I don't care that he's out there six times a game. He is our best player because we win these games by two. <laughs> and if we didn't have that, we, you know – that was our margin of victory a lot, was our special teams. And when our kicking game kind of fell apart, he was still always there. So, man, uh, we appreciate you, Brett Kern, and we hope you the best until you play us in <laughs> December or January. All right, guys, let's talk about cuts around the league. Uh, well, these trades are so fun. Tell us a little bit, Landon, about uh, the newest Titan that we traded for yesterday from the Panthers. Um where he fits and whose spot he's taking on the roster and why Carolina, who I perceive as having a really bad offensive line, is giving up depth. So we traded for Dennis Daly yesterday, who was a 2019 six-round pick. He's played in a good bit of games over the past three years. He started, I want to say, nine. He hasn't played that well, but he's bounced around in positions a lot, so it might just be he never got comfortable and Carolina's offensive line has been so poor, there might be deeper issues in that organization. He's played right tackle, left guard. Then last season, he played nine games at left guard, which with the news that J-Rob confirmed that Petit Freer is the right tackle, left guard is the last unknown on the entire roster. So trading for Daly when he was going to be cut, which, which means he wasn't good on Carolina, who is in a similarly, well, they have a better offensive line situation than us now, but you want O-line depth. And to trade him for a fifth-round pick next year, so not even a fifth-round pick this coming draft, but the year after that, is a sign that we wanted daily. And I would say he is going to end up stealing, I'd say, one of Brewer or Jamarco Jones. I'd lean towards Jamarco Jones just because he also had that perceived ability to play tackle on a pinch. And he started off as the leader for the left guard job. Then he got into some fights. Then Brewer lapped him. Now Raddins, we're trying to work him out there because Raddins can't play tackle right now. So he's, he's going to force out Jamarco Jones. I don't quite get the move unless they see something in him that I don't just because we haven't been a team where we just pick up a random guy off the street and he's really good. Like, we're not the Patriots where they just pick up a guy and, wow, he's above average because they have Skarnakia. We do that to Kelly, best. though. Yeah, but I I think that was yeah that that's fair. But Kelly, I kind of feel like there's a reason that he was immediately a backup and then he's not on the okay. roster right now. I mean, maybe but like think, if we yeah. yeah if we could, if we can plug that hole for a year and we just gave up a future fifth, that'd be awesome to fix the worst spot in our O line. It's just right. Kelly but at he least seems had a more lot like of a backup. Yeah, yeah Kelly but had a, a fifth bunch is of a lot. So I get your confusion because it's like if it were like a conditional seventh, it was like okay. He makes it or he don't. But like a fifth-round pick way down the line, that's something. That's not nothing. Yeah, and J-Rob is really good in the fifth. Yeah, that's, a, of course, the first thing I thought about. I'm going to choose to trust them because they, the track record's good on just bringing guys in. You know, well, I think of Kelly, and they kind of plug and play. Um, I kind of 
I still don't know where he fits. It's gonna. I don't. I guess we'll have to wait and see how they play. Obviously, it's weird that obviously he wasn't gonna make that team. I do like that big fellow this time of year. It's like when these guys get traded, they want to keep a young guy, and they don't want to put a young guy on waivers on the practice squad. And they got to get rid of this guy. They want to try to get value. The guys that get released, you know. It's like some weird kind of unofficial waivers. Am I wrong about this? Big fellow, this is how I perceive it. Like Alex Leatherwood, within 30 minutes of us getting on here, he's been released. Of course, two years ago, he was our surprise first-round pick. But people thought he'd be a good NFL player. It just hasn't worked out there. Uh, Landon and you have both told me that the, the word out of Las Vegas is that he just he's just not ready. He just sucks or whatever. But it's still very early to cut a first-round pick. Am I wrong? Uh is this your perception, big fellow, that this morning and late yesterday, they called probably the other 31 teams, hey, you know, we'll take anything for them. But they didn't want to assume the next two years of that. Pretty, I mean, when you go in the first round, there's a lot of guaranteed money. They cut him because nobody uh, wanted to uh, guarantee his contract, even for like, let's say, a seventh in two years. Because why? if you cut a guy that they – they have to pay all of his guaranteed money, is my understanding, which is uh, next year and the year after, I would think, right? So I say all that to say this. Who we traded for yesterday, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, I wish we wouldn't have traded them. We could have given a fifth for Leatherwood. Because I think if nothing else, Leatherwood could play – he could play right guard. <clears throat> but well, yeah. but we knew. But we had to. Because surely the Vegas called us yesterday. So we, we knew – Leatherwood was, was coming around, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this was the the worst kept secret in all of the NFL, and it was going to happen. And a lot of people just were like, nope, not interested. Because, like you said, there are contract uh, you know, issues that they have to deal with. He was the number 17th pick in last year's draft. I mean, so he had one season. And it sounds – so from what I can tell, it looks like he was moved from tackle to guard – last year so and he did not do a great job at that and they tried to move him back to right tackle this this offseason and you know he's not able to keep up with a rookie i mean and this dude was he he was an all-american in alabama Uh, i think it's just kind of i mean we've seen this time and time again where you take these big kids out of these big programs and you put them in the nfl and they don't they don't succeed or, you know, it's not their natural position. Um, so I would be curious to see if he has potential at left tackle because um, he's a big dude. He's a really big dude. And, I mean, I, I, like you said, he's just so young. I mean. Okay. It just seems like we were talking before the show. Big fella was like, and Landon, you tell me, first of all, what your perception is. Did the Titans knew he was coming free? Is this a surprise to them? Do they have buyer's remorse for what they did yesterday? And, Am I am I underestimating the offensive line that at worst a guy that big and played that well in college he just plays right guard and pushes? I mean, it seems that easy to me. Well, with Leatherwood, so the rules with the cuts saying going through waivers is you have to have four accrued seasons and then you can just go wherever. Like Brett Kern can go wherever he wants, but Leatherwood, since he's only played one year, will be subject to the waiver order. So I'm sure one of these bad teams with a bad offensive line is going to pick him up and. Now that he's cut, his contract is going to be nearly as bad. So I'm sure we knew that Leatherwood would probably be cut, but there's no way he was going to go to like the twenty, the twenty seventh, twenty eighth spot on the waiver on the waiver order, just because so many teams in the offensive lineman and for a guy with his pedigree, his measurables, 
I mean, you can easily sell yourself on as a no-risk reclamation project. I mean, Las Vegas is a disaster. Well, that's what I mean. We passed on him yesterday, right? This isn't a surprise because that phone call, knowing that we didn't have the waiver order and they know what our offensive line is, surely Vegas called and said, you know, we'll take a fifth for him, we'll take a sixth for him, and we had to have passed. We had to have known because they're going to make that offer so we can get his money off the books. Because I get what you're saying. We're like the worst team or a top five waiver team is going to be like, we'll see you on waivers, buddy. <laughs> right? Yeah. But we're not going to do that. We're going to give value for we we had to have passed on him unless well, unless Landon, you can tell me otherwise. But I'm sure we put a waiver claim in on him, without a doubt. Yeah, That's but sure. we know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say just the money because he, I wonder how his contract works because, like John said, he was drafted 17th. He was drafted as a tackle. He played as a tackle, and now he switched guards. So. I don't think his contract, the way it was structured with him being drafted as a tackle, it wouldn't convert to being a guard. So that just makes things even worse because now you, you've got a guy. Oh, who's it's making, millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah he's making first round money. He's playing first guard. Round tackle money. Yeah, I think guard. that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And he's I, an unknown and a bit of a scratch off because they didn't like him so much that they cut him, knowing they were going to eat that money. Yeah, it just seems so weird because. He was definitely a reach. He was definitely a solid second round. Oh, he pick. should have went like 40th, and he went 17th. Everybody knew that. I mean, but, but 40th yeah, but is an NFL player. And burned. It, it, it's so yeah. weird because he wasn't a reach where it's like, oh, if he is in the right situation, he'll easily bust. It's like he should have been pretty <clears throat> okay wherever he went, but Vegas might yeah. be toxic, and he keeps getting pushed around. And I think I there know, might be something so we weird. don't know. He might be out of shape and he might be awful because it. you're right. I thought his floor was uh, right guard push, like average NFL guard was his floor. Big fellow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, especially in a run-heavy scheme like we have, like just get out of the way. But, I mean, we've seen guys like from Alabama, my, my mind goes immediately to Chance Warmack, who he was never able to put it all together. And, I mean, I remember seeing him in the national championship game. Yeah, I blame Notre Dame for us picking belt. him 13th because he pushed uh, he pushed <laughs> Mate Teo and all his teammates around for 60 <laughs> minutes and everybody's in love with him. Right. I mean, but, I mean, you and I were both hyped about that. We were all hyped yeah, about it. Yuck. And, yeah, woof, that did not work out. And, I mean, I don't want to even mention that, that dope we drafted in 2020 um, that couldn't put anything together. And, like, it, it, we've seen it time and time again where these kids, they're just not ready or they get put in a wrong position and they cannot translate to the NFL. And he uh, is just the next <clears throat> example of it. Speaking of the 2020 draft, I'm tired of you talking about Christian Fulton that way. Would you quit? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I um, uh, I think Titans fans want to hear about Malik Willis and how he's going to be our obvious backup. And well, Big Fella, I know before, you want to talk about it. Yeah, before we get to that, I'm looking over the cuts of everything, everybody that's been cut today. And I'm always looking for that next guy behind Derrick Henry. And I really like Hassan Haskins. But <laughs> there are some guys out there that I'm like, wow. Like the Texans cut Marlon Mack. I mean, we've seen him terrorize us for years. The Colts cut Philip Lindsay. I know, Land, I, you were really wanting him to come here last year. Um, you know, the Jags, they cut Ryqual Armstead. I know he, a lot of people don't know who he is. I know he, who he is because he played for Temple. but He was he really, really good, good two showing. seasons ago. Yeah, he had a good showing. And then, Stupid Jags. You know, um, 
James Robinson just showed up and ended up running for a thousand yards in his rookie year. And I mean, there are guys out there. Kenyon Drake is out there. Another Raiders yeah. cast off. I mean, there are a lot of guys. I, like I'm obviously this happens every year, but I'm just looking at these people who are getting cut, and I'm like, wow, there are some players out there. I like that question too, uh, Landon. Let me ask you this way. I like Haskins, too, but is he ready to be an NFL backup on a really good team? Because, boy, he looks the part. He looks so tough and so good. Um, is he ready for that? And do any of these guys that interest Big Fella, do you think will bite him? The only name I would really care about is Lindsey, just because I've always been a fan of his. Mac, his Achilles, that Achilles injury must really have just, torn, just messed up his long-term – his athleticism and all that. Armstead, I think he had issues like he got COVID and then he was sick for a long time. That really yeah. got to him. So I think only Lindsey, and even then he's really just another rusher. But I think, but Haskins should be ready to go as the backup because Henry is just going to play so much that he's not being asked to do a lot. And from what I saw in college and from what we saw in preseason, he looks like he can be a capable pass catching back and some pass blocking thrown in. <laughs> well, actually. I'm scrolling down more. I've just got to the the Falcons, and you guys will get a kick out of this. The Falcons released both Anthony Ferkser and Michael Pruitt and Tyler Vrabel. <laughs> they also have Cam Batson. On Are you roster. serious? Yep. <clears throat> yep. Well, I guess you don't like them apples. Ooh. Yeah, and they re- and they signed Rashawn Evans too. Yeah. Well, he made it. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, at least he made it. So, yeah, let's lead into that, big fella. Anybody else around the league as we're seeing cuts and trades? Anybody else you're praying for here? Um, Still going down the list. I'm not seeing anybody I need to have to today or tomorrow. Um, I think some of these guys will be interesting. I, I you know, we don't, we're going to talk about quarterback in a minute. The Cardinals moved on from Trace McSorley. I have always liked McSorley. McSorley is a former Penn State guy. Um and watching him this past weekend, he was able to to make some nice throws against us. So I, I'm surprised he got cut. Um, I mean, I think they're ro- rolling with Colt McCoy then as their backup. But I'm just surprised at that. Um, outside of that, there's not a whole lot of surprise out there. Um, some guys that we knew would be there. Some, uh, you know, guys with some potential. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to have some... I don't think there are a whole lot of people we're going to look to sign. I think we'll go back to that. If we want to sign anybody, we'll go back to that original free agent market or that well, like the the Will Fullers and those kind of guys. We'll look at them. Um, Will Fuller is, (laughs) man, you – I want to see the streak of you mentioning Will Fuller in a podcast. It's it's pretty long. I'm the first to admit it because I have hated him for so long, but he is so fast. (laughs) Landon, um, I was hoping we'd get a back-end receiver guy, and we would just get really lucky on somebody that belonged on an NFL roster or even NFL field, film, uh, field, and we would just get lucky and find a guy because I certainly think we need the depth there. The only name I've seen so far in the cuts, and we still have, I think, an hour and a half on the window until all the teams have to be at the three players. I think it's 20 what? minutes, right? 4 p.m. Eastern today? Oh, yeah, Eastern time. I forgot I'm not Eastern time anymore. But I, the only name I've seen so far is Preston Williams, who got cut from Miami. And they don't have the greatest receiver room, so not the best mark on his ability. But 
we don't really have a guy at his size other than Traylon Burks. He's like 6'4", 210. Your big traditional X receiver just has never really put it together. It's just kind of whatever, like a wide receiver 5-ish type. But just for his talent and his role, just because all of our other receivers are smaller and sometimes very small, I would take a risk. I would take a flyer on him. Yeah, Preston Williams played at University of Tennessee before he transferred to Colorado State. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, but you talk about looking good in uniform. uh, He would fit kind of what I'd be looking for for the Titans. And I I do want to keep my eye out for any Burkle speedy receivers because right now that role is McMath and maybe Traylon Burks, who's more big down the field than fast. Like, our, our receivers just don't have a ton of speed, so I would be interested in seeing if any fast guys come out there. Because we've shown in the past, like, with, with uh, was it Batson? Who, no, uh, Raymond. Yeah. We've seen it with yeah. Raymond that we can... Easy. Yeah, we can easy, find those easy. really fast guys and work them in a couple plays a game, and they yeah. do something for us. We did that well with him. We really did. What about a guy like Tavon Austin? I mean, I know he's been a <laughs> cast-off, but... He is that quick kind of guy. And I think he's more quick than burning fast for me. Like, I don't really see Austin as being that field stretcher type. Because, like, all the teams he's gone to now have been using him in weird ways. Like, just getting the ball in his hands right at the line of scrimmage, not down the field stuff. True. All right, guys, let's talk Malik Willis. He's going to be our our second guy. Looks like we'll just go with two. That'll save us a roster spot. Big fella, we'll start with you. Let's talk Malik. <clears throat> Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, watching him on Saturday, the the one thing I do like about him is that he has progressively gotten better in each preseason game. And you can see the potential. You can see the talent. There was one one throw he made where it was like one of those sidearm Patrick Mahomes throws that he completed. I think it was to Traylon Burks, actually. And I like the whole stadium erupted. They're like, oh, my God. Um and then there was another run he he had where he broke it off for about 55 yards and almost got a touchdown. Um, but he just is so shifty, and he has got all the tools. He just needs to learn to kind of step up and stay in the pocket and not abandon and go and go to try to you know make something with his legs because there are so many times that he's been sacked for big yardage because he's trying to escape out of the back of the pocket. Um, and he's hoping that his athletic ability will allow him to kind of zig and zag between defenders coming at him. Um, but I think once he figures that out, he is going to be something special. Um, <clears throat> he, he just, he just, he looks like he ha- he can totally be the part for the future. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to play this year or he's going to, you know, unseat Tannehill at all, but, I would say he is definitely the plan within the next two to three years. That's interesting. I mean, I think this year and next year, I really do think their plans for Tannehill. Um, and I, I think Tannehill's going to have a good season now. We'll see about the end of the season. But, Landon, based on what Big Fella said, I want to ask it to you like this. The big thing about Willis coming out, besides maybe his height, was his level of competition and how bad that Liberty team actually was around him. And I know it's been preseason, I know it's limited, and I know that he got better as he went along. But all that being said, based on what we've seen, if they redrafted um, the 2022 draft today, does he go 86th again? Um, I mean, what's 
I th- what's your perception of the league-wide view of him now? How much more valuable is he than he was in late April? I think he goes a bit higher. Pickett looked really good in the preseason. Ritter played well when he was splitting time with Mariota. Then Willis was the third guy, so he, there's no one that went ahead of him that a team is looking back on and thinking, shoot, we should have gone the other way. And there haven't really been any other picks where it's immediately a bad pick. But I do think he goes higher just because quarterback value. And like John said, you look at what he was against the Ravens to how he was against the Cardinals. It was nine day. It was a guy that's really athletic, trying to play quarterback to an athletic quarterback starting to find his footing. So I'm not ready to crown him yet. There's still, a, I have a lot of questions with him still, but just that improvement in the span of three weeks in probably a game and a half of reps, even if it's against backups, just seeing that improvement in real time is really encouraging. And a lot of that stuff he can work on, like his, his decisiveness throwing, just throwing in general, especially over the middle. Against the Ravens, he wouldn't throw it all unless it was a deep ball or wide open. Against the Cardinals, he was starting to get more comfortable. Just give him, just get rid of that rookie shakiness. I mean, I, I want to believe him. I want to think that he is the future quarterback, that he's our, even at worst, like he's our Jalen Hurts. Like he's our really fun, cheap rookie quarterback that's fun to root for and makes and help and lets us make the team better because we're paying him so little we can just invest so much money elsewhere. I want to believe that's just just a lot of questions because he never played against starters at all. And some of the stuff he was doing, I don't think, I think NFL defenses would catch on to. Like his scrambling is good, but I do think some of these big runs wouldn't be as big if it was against starting level defenses. Yeah, I don't think he's played himself in the top 10, but I think he played himself in the second round if they were redrafting. I always said, I thought he should go in the 30s. The Detroit Lions gave a lot of their middle round picks or depth to go up for Jamison Williams. I, I don't care how good he is. I think that was dumb. And I think they could have had him in the 30s. And when I see him, he's got a lot to learn. But him running around that dome making things happen, that's where he should have went. I think he should have went in the 30s, whether they had to trade up or trade back and get into him. They should have taken Hutchinson. They should have whatever. They should have stayed where they were. But for me, I see, yeah, there's a lot of questions. But like Big Fella said, you do see the possibility. And uh, you see a few of those questions answered enough where, like, I don't think there's any way he makes it out of the second round now. And I think he would have probably went in the 30s if they redrafted. And it should have been a team that sort of had the extra picks and a bad team that he could have sort of kind of made it work. But, of course, here's what happens. Good, smart teams wind up with good players like that. That's why some of the same teams have been good for an entire generation. And, uh, like, we can name them, but we don't like them. Or even us, the last six or seven years. Parody says that we should be bad by now. We should be cycling around to be bad because we've been picking them in the 20s forever. Well, guess what? I hope Malik Willis is the next guy that it's like, why in the heck did he not go 50 picks earlier? And, um, yes, well, I mean, he – and I, I totally believe that, that he's not a done deal or a sure thing, but I do believe it may, he was a no-brainer at 86. Yeah, no, I mean, and you can make that same argument, you know, I'm tired of making it and hearing it, but for Tom Brady, I mean, for him to get drafted where he is and to be what he is now, not saying Malik Willis is going to be Tom Brady or have that kind of success, but, you know, teams every once in a while do strike gold with, you know, something that they see and they turn into something else. I mean, it could happen. That's a good point. 
Well, Tom Brady, uh, if they if he came back now, he wouldn't look like what he is. There'd be no perception. But now, and Lanny, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Tom Brady types because physically he looked like that he didn't even belong in in a locker room. But at that time when he was coming out, but now guys like that that are super, super, super competitive and super, super smart, committed to the game, they get drafted to be, to be put in the room. Like Josh Dobbs and, um, you know, the mustache guy in oh, Philly. Those guys, that's how Tom Brady has changed that game because they all do get drafted and they ignore the physical stuff where they ignore whatever because um, Tom Brady always belonged to be drafted higher than 199 just to be in the room. Because he was so competitive and he was so smart about football. And I, I believe that he's changed in that way. Those guys don't go in the first round now, but they go rounds earlier because you answer the other questions. He helps everybody be in the room. Tom Brady was the most competitive person to ever play sports besides probably Michael Jordan, maybe Wayne Gretzky. And so guys like that, they belong in a room because that doesn't happen overnight. He didn't get competitive when he moved to Foxborough. He's always been that way. That had to come out in interviews. Lennon, am I wrong that um, it's not that those guys uh, go in the first round now, but those guys are looked at now? Yeah, I think so. There are definitely quarterbacks where they never see the field, but they kept, they're they kept around. I mean, like Chase Daniel makes it, has made a couple million for every touchdown pass he's thrown. He keeps bouncing around. And he still gets paid. Some guys are essentially like extra quarterback coaches or extra offensive play callers. And for me, I've never really been on the side of how could Tom Brady possibly fall to 199? Because even the, we like to talk about how certain players are outliers and you can't just look at them and say, well, why didn't so-and-so do this? Like, he is the outlier of all outliers. He is among all of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Him and Marino are the least athletic. He has a good arm, not a great arm. It's actually gotten better. And like you said, it's just impossible to quantify and just know how competitive a guy is, how tough they are, how driven they are, how smart they are. I mean, you can do like Wonder Lake, you can have them watch film, but it's a lot different going to that than going on the court, on the field, and in game time. And he's, I mean, he's gotten better. Tom Brady now is better physically than he was when he was like 22 or whatever. He, he, he is the outlier, and I... I've just never been a fan of the everyone was stupid for letting this unathletic, slow guy with a above-average arm fall to 199. I mean, those guys go that round all the time now. It's just he has that mentality that puts him above everyone else. I think it's so interesting that you say that, uh, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, we, that's a punchline, right? He's made all that money for, you know, he's made like, a, I don't know, $500,000 a pass or something, big fella. But those teams would do it again. They knew what they were getting. Chase Daniel has made so much money, he may not care to coach. But to me, he would be Doug Peterson times two. He is the sixth or seventh best quarterback coach in the league, and they just get him on staff sitting in that room, working out with being in the ear of whatever guy. And they've paid six or seven million dollars for that for years. And you look at the guy that he's pushed and the guy that he's mentored, they've all been better for it. That's a, that's a good list of quarterbacks and guys that maybe didn't play as well in, as the, in their next role or after Daniel left. Um, so I, I do think, weirdly, the greatest quarterback of all time, that's his contribution maybe to a quarter, all quarterback rooms. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
I mean, it, it happens at every position too. Uh, I mean, a lot of times teams will keep linebackers on until they're way too old. Like I think of Wesley Woodyard. We kept him probably a little bit a little bit too long for his playing days, but what he was able to provide to that locker room the intangibles and the the knowledge of the game was, you know, so valuable to to at that time to <clears throat> the Jayon Browns, the Rashawn Evans, all the all those guys, um, you know, because it, they're they're true pros, pro pros, pros. Um, so it, yeah, those guys are all too rare, but when they come around, a team is way better for having them uh, than not. Guys, as we wrap up, let's talk about what we haven't talked about that's bouncing around, you know, our team or the league that you're most interested about right now. We'll start with you, big fella. Um, I'm kind of happy to see this whole Jimmy G saga come to a close. Um, you know, they came to a new agreement where he's going to make about, uh, I think, $6 million. He can get up to, I think, 16 uh, with incentives if he actually plays and starts. But there, and there's a no trade clause, a no no tag clause. So really, Jimmy G is going to get to hit the market next off season, and it'll be really interesting because there are a lot of quarterbacks set to come out of the draft. So there's going to be a lot of shakeup at the quarterback position next year, and I'm just curious to see where he'll fit in. Um, I mean, there have been 10,000 rumors about where he could go this year, but. It'll be it'll be something interesting to see next year, um, and then the other thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on is the Bills released um, O.J. Howard, tight end uh, previously for the Bucks, and he was a guy that I was looking for in early in the off season. And do you guys think we will take a shot on him, maybe, or are we content with um, Austin Hooper? and Chig, or do we do we look at a guy like Michael Pruitt again to come back? You guys know I love Michael Pruitt. Um, if we can find the depth for him, I like our tight end room right now, maybe a little better than the average Titans fan. But, Landon, you know your tight ends well. Let's hear what you think on Howard, then I'll circle back to uh, Jimmy. Full disclosure that I can't be fully unbiased because O.J. Howard was one of my first draft crushes. So every time I see him, I think about what he could have been, and I can talk myself into believing that. But they kept Tommy Sweeney over him, so that that says a lot. <laughs> he keeps getting cut. He keeps bouncing around. I'd love to take a flyer on him just because he adds a degree of athleticism that we don't have other than a yeah, just physically. But, I mean, it's just the Bills are want to contend for a Super Bowl. If they thought O.J. Howard had it in him to be that third tight end, just to even do something, they would have kept him. Like, what is Tommy Sweeney adding over O.J. Howard? Other, other than, than being his con- awesome name? <laughs> other than being consistent. I yeah. mean, there's a reason O.J. Howard got cut. And I want to believe that one day he'll randomly put it all together, but just the door's shutting on my love for him. So I would say we won't go after him. We'll, we'll be fine with what we have. We got Hooper... Aconquo, and we paid Jeff Swaim a good bit, so we're kind of stuck with him. Ugh, I forget about that. <laughs> I think Swaim is okay, but like I said, I'm higher than those guys on you. Landon, it's a perfect logic, I think, for the overreacting fan, is when a smart team cuts you, 
they they'd pay the money. They'd make it work if you were going to help them win. They know the the margin for a championship. So it makes you it it makes him hurt, loses credibility because if he can't really play for the Bills, why is he going to play for us? Now the Browns over the years and you know the Bengals before and the Raiders. It's like, well, we may see something they don't right, but when the Bills cut you. You know, yeah, it, you. But you just remember what he looked like in Alabama and how he looks in a uniform, and you just, you just want us to add him. But I think we got too much committed to the guys that we got there, and I think we have a game plan. And I, I don't think anything changes in our tight end room, and unless we're just way off base here. Wouldn't Wouldn't OJ Howard? Wouldn't he the guy? I remember in his pre-draft videos. He had a workout where he was taking 45-pound plates and flipping them with one hand and catching them. I think that's – it's either him or Irv Smith, one of the two. But I think it was O.J. Howard, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> my. Howard was – all I'm going to remember him for is 2017 when everybody thought we should pick him fifth, and I was praying that we wouldn't. <laughs> and I'm glad that we did not. Yeah. Well, I remember so guys, Howard is – and his pre-draft process at the Combine – there's this article that I can't find now. It was comparing his testing numbers to a bunch of other of the big names. It was like he ran a faster 40 than McCaffrey. He had a better three cone than one of the top receivers. He had a better vertical jump than I think like Mike Williams. So it was like they were just picking out like all of his testing numbers compared to the top, like the first round skill position guys or the big names. And he was like, like I said, like he was faster than McCaffrey, jumped higher than Mike Williams more agile than one of the agile guys in that draft. It's just like, man, this guy could be an amazing tight end. And he was a great blocker because at Alabama you mm-hmm. have to block. Yeah. He was underutilized there. So you think like, man, what could he be with this athletic profile and these yeah. foundational tools? And then he kind of started to look that way, I think, in year three in 2019 with Fitzpatrick. Then he got hurt, and then it just never right. came back. I mean, it's hard to get, on, it's hard to get Tom Brady to – trusting you when you're a developing tight end. Well, think about it. This guy never put up big stats, and he played for the two biggest names and two biggest talents in football history probably, Nick Saban. So when he's a junior, he has like 500 yards uh, receiving. I know Nick Saban doesn't utilize the tight end, but if he was the best guy on the field, they would have thrown to him on third down. Believe. They would have got him up and thrown him. Didn't happen. That's why I didn't worry about him. And Brady had him, and nothing came of it. So if – you know, I, I, he seems like a really good guy and teammate. I've watched a lot of football with him, and uh, he just uh, seems to have mental lapses where he doesn't catch the ball or quite know. I think it, it, he's not a bad guy. I just think football, I mean, to be a really great player, it's got to be kind of in you, like instinctive. And I just don't see that with O.J. Howard. If he wants to keep playing and he can avoid head injuries, I hope he continues to make money and, like Landon said, he finds that role. But I just don't see us cutting a guy for him or taking dead money for him or anything like that. Jimmy G is fascinating because uh, he's done something that we we talk about but rarely happens. He took a pay cut to stay in a situation where he's not the starter. Uh, he sees something that he might be needed there, um, and I think he knows that he's going to be as good as he's ever going to be playing for Shanahan. I don't know, but um, what do either one of y'all make that to elaborate a little bit on that? It's like that is so fascinating <clears throat> that I just assumed he'd be playing for another team by now. I think he's super smart. He's taken this year to, um, you know, rehab that shoulder completely and take advantage of a San Francisco medical staff. And then he's going to hit the free agent market next year. And, you know, he may have the opportunity to prove himself in a game or two this year. 
and I mean his his resume is there. He's he's got the credentials of going to playoff games and NFC Championship games. He's done it, and he's won Super Bowls. You know, granted not as a starter, but he's got Super Bowl rings from New England. Um, so I think he's he's made really, like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Right, you know, he's so got that money. he's in the barn, as it he's, were. Yeah, he's got the money. He's rehabbing his shoulder, and he's going to be able to literally pick his team. So I think it's incredible. I mean, we haven't seen you, it like that before. I think you've absolutely nailed it. We haven't seen it before. I think you nailed it. You say he wants to get healthy, and he he wants the benefit of people he's working with that he know that are improved. When he was here in December, uh, Landon, were you there with us? Yeah, I was there. That was were you already home from your school? friends came in and then after the game yeah, they were they yeah. hated Jimmy G. They well, hated him. And here's the thing. Jimmy is not Marino. And Jimmy's been more you need to be in the right place at the right time. Uh but he can do what you ask him to. I always thought he was sort of limited. But in that game, do y'all remember his passes? I mean he was floating. He's had that really bad thumb, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like with Mariota when he was having those nervousness. You could tell that their grip on the ball was not what it had been previously, and that ball would float, and it was bad. And I, I know that Jimmy G's, like I said, he's not Marino, but he was better than that. I knew he was hurt. I knew something was wrong with him. Our good friend Robert came down. And he was like, "Man, he stinks." Blah blah blah, because <laughs> they were kind of like us in that playoff game. It's like they're a quarterback away from being an absolutely pencil them into the Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, they're a very good team. They're very well coached. But um, Jimmy G is betting on himself and getting healthy because if he goes now, he's going to be on the field. He must – big fella, you're not going to hear that anywhere else. I think you're dead right. He wants to get right. He yep. wants to get absolutely right to the point where he took like a 20 – like an $18 million pay cut or whatever and because he knows yeah. if he gets thrown to the wolves one more time and he's like wins last year, he's done. He's absolutely yep. going to be absolutely done. And there's zero pressure for him in San Fran. You know, uh, the, I was listening on the radio today, and they were very upfront with Jimmy G when they were going to draft Trey Lance. They told him about it, and, you know, they had him on board with the plan, and, you know, it's the plan played out, and he has zero yeah. pressure right now. And he can just rehab and kind of watch and learn, yeah. you know, get everything from Shanahan's offense that he can, and, you know, just, again, pick his, <clears throat> pick his home in 2023. Yeah, the Jimmy plan is going to be be a free agent in 2023, do the Ryan Tannehill thing, because think about Ryan Tannehill and his agent took a pay cut to come here because they looked at the league. Ryan needs this extra time to get healthy, but midseason, we'll let it play out. We see an opening with a good team. We're going to get healthy, and look what happened there. I think he wants he's going to he's going to give up, up that money now to have the choice later because he's likely to be drafted into – a not good team, but next year he'll have his options, way more options. He'll be more healthy, and he may not even go – he may go somewhere where there is a presumed starter, but I think he is going to make a really smart decision. Landon, is that is that why Jimmy G's uh, basically thrown away this money? Uh, he's He wants – he's made all the money he would ever could ever spend. He wants one last chance to be the quarterback of a very good team, right? Sure, that and I'm pretty sure with the way the guaranteed money worked, he actually is making more money taking this quote-unquote pay cut than if he had just been straight-up cut and then someone signs him. Because at this point in the offseason, teams don't really have a ton of money. The teams that need a quarterback, they're not going to give him more than, I want to say like the base value is $7 million for him this year. He can go up to 16 if he plays a lot. So, I mean, what team is going to sign Jimmy G and pay him $7 million this year? 
a lot of teams at this point are technically like broke. They've spent their money this year. They're good to go. And they and the ones that do have money probably aren't interested in paying for a guy that's just kind of a stopgap quarterback. So he saves some money. He doesn't have to play. I mean, his situation is the best that it can be because if he goes somewhere else, he's getting paid less. He's having to play more. He's not as healthy like John said. Why won't you just stay, get paid? I mean, he's pretty, he's getting paid to be a backup. And for these guys, I'm sure it it hurts their ego and their pride to not be on the field and all that stuff. But he's making $7 million to stay on the sidelines and be a good teammate. All right. Um, what do we need to cover for you, uh, Landon? What What's going on that we haven't covered around the league or, or uh, here with our Titans? The Saints traded one of their best defensive backs, Chauncey Garner Johnson, to the Eagles. It was for a future fifth-rounder, which is really surprising because he's really good. And I think part of this has to be the cap crunch they're still stuck in because he's an expiring deal. He's going to have to get paid. He's good. So they trade him for a fifth-rounder. It seems pretty low for a guy of his caliber. So I want... So I'm really I'm kind of confused by the compensation. I get why they did. They just don't have the money to pay him for what he wants. And with the way their their secondary is set up, he really plays like their nickelback role. And they just I assume they don't want to pay a ton for that position. I really thought they'd get more value for him. Yeah, yeah. Fifth rounder. I mean, they drafted him in the second round. He was really good for a couple of years. Now they're trading him. For your future fifth, of the Eagles. Now the Eagles got an absolute steal because since Jalen Hurts is still on a rookie, on a, on a rookie contract, they can pay Garner Johnson his money. They needed a safety. He played. I want to say he played more safety early on than he transitioned to nickelback over the past year or so. So they got they filled their biggest hole on the roster for a future fifth round pick for a good player. So the Eagles look really fun and really dangerous. And it's a weird team because their their quarterback. Like, Jalen Hurts, uh, kind of shaky, but not shaky in a traditional passing way. So they're an odd team. They have the best offensive line in football. I would argue the best defensive line in football, and they've done a really good job at patching holes all over the roster. Anything else, boys? I think I'm good. I think we're good. We went in 50 minutes. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up another Tennessee Titans talk. Raise your hand if you're super excited for the season. I am. I have both next Thursday, uh, next Thursday, the NFL, uh, they do get some things right, usually the programming. Rams-Bills uh, is going to open our season. And uh, besides the two-tone blue plan, I'm really pumped for that game. What about you, big fella? I'm just ready for all the football. Like, inject it in me. Like, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready too. I'm ready to be back there tailgating and with all of our friends in 331. Uh, we're so happy to have Landon back here in Nashville with us. And uh, like he said, outside of the Eastern time zone, so we have to do that math anymore. <laughs> Guys, it's uh, going to be a great season. Um, other things will happen. We'll get back with you. Uh, be here. If you want to know more about the Titans and you want to get inside stuff, Tennessee Titans talk, subscribe to us, uh, follow us, listen to us. Find us on Twitter at Tennessee Titans Cast. Um, and guys, until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. <clears throat> tighten up.